0: This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man. John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Good morning. Thanksgiving Day was a, a beautiful day, great day uh, to be outside, in incredible weather. As I got to the end of the day, I looked down at at a pedometer that I wear, and I was close to twenty thousand steps for the day. And so I don't know if you ever have a little bit of a competitive spirit in in you, but there's a little competitive spirit in me. And so I looked down at that pedometer and it was close to twenty thousand steps. So I'm like. I want to hit 20,000 so I turned to my son Ace and I said Ace you want to go for a walk it was night out sure and we live our our driveway is about an eighth of a mile long so it's a it's a great place to pick up the rest of those steps it was a beautiful night for walks we stepped out into the night we walked east we headed east toward the road and it was one of those nights where it's just sort of crisp the, the night, you know, is just dark up in the, in the expanse of space. And the stars are sharp and bright. And as we walked east, it was just beautiful. And then we turned around at the road and we started heading back west. And as we walked west, we continued to look at the stars. And we saw the stars sprinkling. And we started to th- think about different constellations that were there. And then we could see... The, the lights of planes flying overhead. And as we got closer to our house, we looked up and we could see Springfield. Actually, we couldn't see Springfield. But Springfield, from our perspective, about six miles east of 65, about six miles east of 65, it was like all of the lights of the city were turned on. And across the western horizon, there was this crack of light. Some of you live close and so you get to see this perspective of Springfield, right? You get to see it up close and light at night. From our perspective, we get to see the crack of light and then the glow as it just sort of glows up into the evening. Ace and I just stopped and we looked at that light and I turned to him and I said, when I see the stars up in the sky, and then I see the light like that glowing from the distance, it reminds me of these words from the Gospel, of John, that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it, cannot put it out. Today, we're going to be talking about Jesus is the light of the world. And we find these words coming to us from the opening pages, the opening story of the Gospel of John. And if you have a Bible, if you want to turn there, we're going to walk through those verses. It's verses 4 through verse 9. But if you have the Schweitzer app on your phone or on a tablet, I encourage you to take that out and turn to that app. And you can follow along there because the scripture text is going to be there also. The first few verses that we're going to look at are these this verse here, verse 4, where John says about Jesus, and he's describing who Jesus is to the listener. He says, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Or in another translation, it says, his life brought life to everyone. Last week, we talked about, and we we looked at the, the reality that Jesus is the creator of the world, and he, he gives uh, creation, its its launch, and he gives breath to things. As I was looking at this text and thinking about this text, I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting that John says, "Here's the light and life to the world, and he gives life to that which is created." In my my mind, as I reflected on that reality, I thought it was a matter. It was kind of a matter of fact. That if you create something, that you give it life. But John seems to run with a little different perspective. A perspective that sometimes we, we ourselves run with. Like if you get into the middle of your life, and you begin to think about where you've come from and where you're headed, you begin to notice that you're alive, right? You live, and you breathe, and you move. But you begin to wonder, at least others have, and you might too, like, what am I made for? What is my life supposed to look like? What, what am I living into? Or there are others who are millennials in the, in the room here today, and I've heard that sometimes millennials who hang out with their parents, they come to this place too, where they're like, what is the purpose that I'm supposed to have with my life? What am I supposed to invest it into? I'm living, but I'm not really sure that I'm alive. John seems to have the perspective that all of creation can be living. We can be breathing. We can be taking in in nutrition, but we may not be alive. And Christ himself, who's the life and the light of the world, came to bring us to life. As I was thinking about that, I was reminded of, of Chuck Colson. Uh, and I, I checked with our band up here today. One person on our band know, uh, knew who Chuck Colson was. And so let me just tell you a little bit about Colson. Colson um, died a couple of years ago. And he's pictured there in front of a, of a prison door because uh, for the last half of his life, he invested himself in a, in a ministry that God called him to, to prison. But before that, before he got to that place, he was a lawyer and he was brought into the nixon administration he was a he was a special counsel to president nixon and colson's nickname was the hatchet man there's a story that was caught on president Nixon's some of his tapes where colson um, uh, agreed with some other other folks that they needed to take on some protesters in new york city and colson suggested that the people who were going to do the counter protest take rebar along with them Colson was an enforcer. He was the hatchet man in Nixon's administration. And when the Watergate scandal broke, Colson's name was brought up. And Colson was included in those who were charged with some some part to play within the Watergate scandal. And that brought Colson to a a face-to-face reality about who he was and what he was doing and what he was giving his life for. And what he found in that place when he looked in the mirror was that his life was wanting. He was living, he was breathing, but he wasn't receiving life and he wasn't giving life to anyone else. A friend of Colson was a father of Christ, and he began to talk to Colson about what Christ can do in somebody's life, and he shared Christ with him. And Colson found Christ calling his own name. And then in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that um, events that were happening in the political world, he pleaded guilty, and he went to prison for six months. And as he was in prison, it was like God began to speak into his life about what he was experiencing and what he was seeing. And he said, I've got something for you to do, Chuck. And so for the rest of his life, for the rest of his days, Coulson bega- uh, became an advocate and a supporter of people who were in prison. And he longed for prison reform, and he, he spoke for ways in which life could come to those who were in that place. Colson went on a journey, and he found that there was a point in life, in his own life, when he wasn't alive. And yet Christ came to him, the light of Christ came to him, and he became alive. So John says this, he says, the word came into the world, and he was life, and he was light. The idea that God is light is something that we find throughout the entire pages of the Old Testament. God is pictured as as light in many different places, and probably the most predominant and the most pronounced place is is when uh, Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness, and God comes and dwells in their midst as a pillar of fire. How do people know that God is in their midst? They could see him because it was this big pillar of fire. God is the light of the world. It's been interesting, uh, an interesting observation I've had in the last few weeks. When I see. I've had a couple different conversations where people come up to me, or I'm sitting with them, and they talk about the reality that, that they've discovered something about Christ, or they, they've, they've come alive in Him in a certain place and way. And they begin talking about what's happening in their own life. A couple of weeks ago, a guy pulled his phone out, and he began to show me some pictures of Haiti, and some kids that, that go to a school in Haiti, and, and he visited these kids, and, and these kids had bright, big smiles on his face. But the guy who had his phone out and was telling me about these kids in Haiti, he was like a light bulb. He was all lit up and alive because here he was. He had he had, had this sense, and he'd opened himself up to the life of Christ. And then, when he finds the life of Christ at work within him, and leading him to places where Christ's heart is at, his entire life just becomes something that radiates. There is life and light in that place. Another guy this past week was telling me that he discovered that in Springfield, there are a number of of, uh, folks who've come here who are refugees and a number of them have lived in Uganda. There's about a dozen refugees from Uganda, actually a dozen families. It was something that he didn't know about. and he became aware of, and he became aware of, of their situation and, and how in, in their own country where they're from, they're used to being warm. And even the kind of temperature drops that we've had here in Springfield have caused them to think that they're really cold. I don't know what they're going to f- think when they go into this next week. I've heard it's really supposed to be cold. But he, be- he said, you know, I've, I've seen the conditions where they live. And I don't exactly know what to do about helping them or how we can be of assistance. And I looked at him as he was talking. And I said, I don't know the answers to the questions you have, but I can tell you this much. There is a light in your face when you talk about it that you're beginning to reflect the life and the heart and the passion of God. And you see, friends when Christ encounters us, when Christ brings his life to us, there is a light that he shares with us, a light that is reflected in who we are in in our very countenance, in our being, the light that goodness and truth is, is present, that beauty is present, and that we can be a part of it. As you are in this place today, As you think about the life you've been leading, I mean, uh, it's pretty obvious that all of us in this place are breathing, right? We're living. But I wonder if you would say you're really alive. I wonder if you'd say that you've really got light present in the place where you live. Is your heart alive with God? John would say to us, The Word came into the world to give life to the world and to give life to you, to me. The Word became flesh to give us life. John moves on. When he talks about the presence of life and light, then he begins to talk about the reality of darkness. Let's move on to that next text. The light shines, John says, in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John speaks about the reality that there is, there's a darkness that's present. Now, I told you that when I went out in the, for a walk, and when you do that too, you look up and you see the darkness of the night sky, right? That's not necessarily the the kind of darkness John is talking about darkness in in john 's sense isn 't isn 't the night now, um, spiritual mystics, especially john Saint John of the cross, will talk about how when we when we walk with God in close ways, there are moments when we might have what 's called the dark night of the soul that is that there are moments when God seems far from us or God takes us on a journey, and there are things which God does within us where we might sense that that we're far from God, but yet God is still very close to us in that, in, that, in that journey. Now, When John talks about darkness here in this text, he's not talking about that journey, that sense of darkness. He's talking more about the idea that, that we're, we're distant from God, in fact, opposed to God in some form or fashion. We've got some kind of opposition to God, or we're unaware of who God is. In fact, in the, in the Greek, the idea was when you walk around in darkness, you walk around in a circle, never getting out of that circle. You just walk in the circle, and you never, you never find yourself moving anyplace. You're just kind of lost in that circle. The reality that many of us know is we sense it, we feel it almost tangibly. You can hear it in conversations in which you're in. That there are moments where people express, and they do it now, that either in our own community or in our own country or in our own times there's a sense of, of darkness or forebodingness that, that sticks to our souls. Sometimes we see the darkness as something that's uh, outside of us. It's in our world. I was thinking about Oh, what's the film? The Lord of the Rings series, and Aragorn in Lord of the Rings talks about how there's a foreboding darkness that's covering the land. About a hundred years ago, a newspaper asked an uh, English writer and poet and theologian by the name of G.K. Chesterton. They asked a number of pe- different people to describe what they thought was wrong in the world. And they sent Chesterton the same question, what's wrong with the world? And Chesterton gave this reply, dear sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton gave that reply because the reality is, is there are moments when we see darkness present in other places, but within each and every one of our own human hearts, within who we are, there reside some dark places Some things that aren't yet reclaimed by Christ, that aren't touched by Christ. And so there is a darkness that that we have, that we carry. There is a place that each and every one of us needs the light of Christ to come into, to illuminate. To bring forth goodness out of that place. So John says, life and light was coming into the world coming into our world, into those places where there's darkness, whether it's on the broad scope or whether it's very personal right here. And then John moves from talking about life and light and darkness to talking about a witness to the light. And here we hear these words. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. John, the gospel writer, moves from talking about this light that was coming to telling us about somebody who would be a witness to the light. He talks about John, the cousin of Jesus, the Baptist. That's what he's called in other, other stories within the scripture. And John the Baptist Is pictured in those places as somebody who comes out of the wilderness and he begins to talk and he begins to to ask people to make ready to make themselves ready because God is sending his life into the world he's sending his son into the world he's he says make ready your hearts with repentance get ready because God is wanting to do something new a new thing in this place John in this gospel says that the baptist the one who who we know who we've seen out in the wilderness was not the light but he was a reflector of the light he was somebody who was witnessing to it he was like a signpost one of my favorite shows that i watch is mash and if you've ever watched mash or if you've ever been to the to the uh, national archives in washington dc you'll know that one of the one of the preeminent markers of MASH was this signpost, right, in the middle of the camp. And it pointed to everybody's hometown. They had a, a, a marker on it for your hometown was there or there or there. And everybody knew which way they could get home. John was like a signpost in the midst of his world. He pointed, he pointed to the light, to the light of Christ. St. Augustine reflected on this text around the early 400s and Augustine said as he thought about this text and also another comment from Jesus and he said you know we are all invited to be reflectors of the light Augustine says you too are to be a lamp listen to the lampstand be lamps and then he said this the cross of Christ is a great lampstand There's something significant about saying the cross of Christ is a great lampstand because that means we have to be willing to be on the cross. The cross is not a place where we can can be on it with a great deal of of shouting, but we have to be there with, with humility, with love. Augustine said, you too are called to be like John, to be lamps. I was thinking about how people are lamps and how they reflect in the light of Christ. This past Thursday night in this place, there was a um, kids concert. A number of kids from Pittman Elementary came in here and they gave a concert on this, on this stage. And in the room, in the places where you're sitting right now, there were people who go from Schweitzer and they go to Pittman and they serve as mentors or they help with good, the Good News Club. And I had an opportunity to talk with one of those mentors who he came out and he said, Isn't this marvelous? All these kids up there, he look at the front row, and I know all those kids. And I cannot tell you the joy that was on his heart and on his in his in his voice to see the reality that kids he works with and kids he's seeing growing and and embracing Christ in new ways, taking new steps with Christ. We're here in this place to give a concert. He's somebody who was reflecting the light of Christ. And the light of Christ was being reflected in other ways. We can reflect the light of Christ as we engage in the world that is around us. Not long ago, I heard about a a guy who has a college ministry here at Missouri State. And in that college ministry, he, he took the scriptures... Which we have to engage with too. Because we have to be able to, to tell the stories of God. Because in that place where he was engaging with college students. He told them the story of, of uh, the prodigal son. Thank you. 300 college students. And then he asked them. How many of you have heard that story? And nobody in the room would say that they had ever heard that story before. It's a story of somebody far from God and yet the father looks for that person to come home and he waits for that person. and He's waiting, waiting for all of us. Talks about the very nature of God. Those college students had never heard that story. He was somebody who was being a reflector of of the light of Christ. He was pointing to who Jesus is and who Jesus was. He was somebody himself who spent time to open up the scriptures and engage in this this work so that he could tell God's story. Coming up in January, Jeff Fugit, who um, is our director of Connect, our director of groups here, He's going to be leading a class on how um, growing deeper in the Bible. And if, if you want to learn more about engaging with the story of God in that way, you're welcome to do that. You'll, hear, you'll be hearing more about it. But Blake engaged those college students with the story of who God is. He reflected Christ, the light of Christ. I was thinking about our candles up here. Last week, we lit the one on hope, and today we lit the one on peace, and the other candles are love and joy, and how those attributes, those words reflect ways in which we can reflect and be reflectors of the light of Christ. I was thinking about the the candle of peace, and a dear woman that I ministered to years ago who had a number of health concerns, but every time I visited her, she would, she would point to a, a passage of scripture in First Peter chapter 5. She said, you know, scriptures tell me that I'm supposed to cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. And as she was sharing that scripture with me, really recognizing that she had a great deal of anxiety, But every time she would share it, she was reflecting the reality that when we turn to God, when we turn to Christ, there is peace that he shares with us in the life that he gives to us. So John says, the one who is the word became life and light. He came into this world. Verse 9 says this, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This morning we're going to come to this table for communion. We take up the bread and the cup, real emblems, real, real presence in our midst. And we remember and we celebrate that God has come and he's invited us to come to this table. At the same time, we remember that as he's true light and life, there are moments in our life when we're very aware of the darkness and we're very aware that we may be distant from the life of God. And yet the bread is present and the cup is present frequently. To remind us that Jesus not only came, but he comes. And he comes to us right where we're at. And the bread that was broken when he was with his disciples is broken for us. And he says, you want life? Do you need light to find your way? I'm here in the midst of you. I'm here to nourish you, to encourage you, to give life to you and for you. The cup that he picks up and he blesses is a cup of him pouring out his life for us. And it's a cup of joy that he invites us to share because we get to share in his life as we come this morning to receive communion you'll also note that at the far corners there are going to be people who are willing and able to anoint with oil because the reality is for many of us is that that we come seeking seeking life and many of us come with hurts some of the hurts are present and they're physical and some of the hurts are deep within our own hearts and we need to hear that word that's in one of the old carols about Christmas that when Christ comes to us he comes with healing in his wings and so no matter the place where you're at this morning you can come you can receive Christ and you can make yourself open for his healing work to be present in your life you can tell the people if you want to in those places Anoint the back of my hand or anoint my head. But you can go to those places as you come forward. I'd ask the servers to come at this time and we'll help get them set for the places and the elements.